Sala and Philip Burton High School is located between two neighborhoods in San Francisco, the Excelsior and Visitation Valley, and it serves not only children from those two neighborhoods, but Bayview, Hunters Point as well. And all of these neighborhoods are underserved neighborhoods that lack resources, which makes everyday living life a challenge. Gregory Cole, or Mr. Cole as he is so fondly called at Sala and Philip Burton High School, founded what is now known as Touch of Class Choir. And by sheer word of mouth, the choir represented San Francisco Bay Area and has traveled all around the world and performed at many different prestigious events. Now, Mr. Cole led Touch of Class Choir for 25 years, and to this day, the students who are a part of the choir attribute their success in their lives to belonging to this choir touch of class. We thought it would be fitting to end our music series with our interview from August 2021 from the football field of Burton High School overlooking the city with Mr. Gregory Cole. I'm Susan Brown. I'm Michaela Joy O'Shea. And I'm Jay Yee. You're listening to Beyond the Fog Radio our podcast about the untold stories of San Francisco's long history from the people that have helped shape it. Whether you're new to San Francisco or have lived here your entire life, join us as we share the stories of our city by the bay. Did you guys know that I sang in high school? No. I had no idea. That's so cool. It was my favorite thing to do. Yes. Wow. Yes. Well, you know, in middle school, all the Asians played some kind of string instrument, like the violin. I, I was a violinist, and I was horrible at it. Oh, Jay. <laughs> However, I did grow up singing, whether it was in church, which that'll, that'll be a story for another time. You know, my parents threw me in church to keep me safe and sound and i sang in church i sang on saturdays i sang everywhere thank you parents because you've put me in all kinds of activities <laughs> but my favorite thing to do was in high school i was part of the chamber choir of lowell high with mr landis and mr jefferson after mr landis required uh, required retired and i just loved getting dressed up in a tuxedo and going to different places, whether it was a Baptist church to the cannery next to Ghirardelli Square, we sang all over the place in the wintertime. And I think that's really what's contributed to me and my upbringing and my love for performance. Susan, did you no, sing in the park? actually, I went to the Urban School of San Francisco, an alternative private school, and we did have music and there was a chorus, but I didn't sing in the chorus. I sang a little bit, le learning to play guitar, but my true love was theater. So I focused on mm. everything that had to do with theater in high school. Michaela, did you sing in high school? No, I didn't. I'm not much of a singer. <laughs> I'm a huge music lover. <laughs> I always wanted to play I'm an surprised. instrument. <laughs> I always wanted to play an instrument, but... In truth, in elementary school, that's what started me not playing music was because the band bus left at like 6.30 in the morning, and I've never been a morning person, so I never jumped on that bus to learn an instrument. So going through high school, I also was like you, Susan. I was actually more of a dramatic arts. I took all the theater courses, and then I even took one music composition course that actually changed my whole world because I learned about, about music writing and we, we made our own piano scores, which were terrible, but it was so fun and watching Leonard Bernstein and just really getting a grasp of the history and just being a kid and making music with other people is so important to growth, I think, you know? 
just like this this wonderful Mr. Cole who we spoke with. It just I think music rooted in your childhood is so important for later in life, don't you guys think? Yes, definitely. Yeah. And more importantly, to have someone that provides the kind of mentorship and teaches you discipline, it is a critical life skill. Absolutely. I can't wait for everyone to listen to our interview with Mr. Cole. <laughs> Me either. My name is Gregory Cole. I was instrumental teacher that ended up being a vocal instructor. And that's how it came about with Casamont High School jazz band that I also did some of the same thing in terms of taking them out of the country. They were winning certificates, trophies, etc. And then moving up to Burton High School. So Burton High School, I was here for 20, 35 years. And that was my life. I'm retired, and only only thing I have to do now is prepare for this reunion that's coming up next year. At Burton High School, to be in the touch of class choir, you have to wear a uniform, not only for performances, but for rehearsals. It was mandatory. They, they would have to wear black and white, and being the dean, I was basically responsible for making sure. So if they had on any other outfit or any colors especially red and the blue because of the games we would get them yeah. and keep them in the, in the room sometimes we call the parents sometimes the parents would get upset because they're saying that they didn't want their kids wearing black and white and why did we have to do it and have to explain it to them that the gangs are rampant around here and this is also for their protection so that way the parents began to understand that it wasn't just something that we just wanted to do, but we were protecting that child. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So that that, that worked. Yeah. Uh, That's uh, awesome. Of course, I had bags of clothes <laughs> at the end of the year. <laughs> but I, at that point, after we explained to the parents, this is for their protection, they didn't mind because kids would leave home in black and white, but by the time they would get here, they would switch they up. They would switch up. Right. Yeah. So we said, okay, we got that. So I would take their clothes, and they would go in their backpack and pull out the black and white. I said, should have stayed that way in the beginning when they had this problem. Yeah. Uh, after school, the year was over, they were allowed to come in and get it. Mostly, well, almost none of them came to pick it up. Hmm. It just stayed there, so we ended up giving it to Salvation Army. It did work out really good. Okay, that's Man, good. it's amazing. So how long have you been teaching? How long? Oh, you recently retired, right? Yeah, about four years ago now. Okay, so how, before that, how long did, were you 35 teaching? years. At, at Burton High School? Uh, Burton High School, 20, 25, 24, 25 years, something like that. That's a long time. And before yeah. that? I was at Castlemont High School in Oakland. Okay. And before that, I was at Claremont School in Berkeley. Wow. wow. Uh, great times. All the schools. I started at Claremont and end up teaching choir. And I had a drum corps, which was one of the first drum corps for a junior high school wow. in Oakland. In fact, it was in Oakland. I think the back was in Berkeley. It was between Oakland and Berkeley. I had the drum corps doing parades and the choir called Youth Disciples. Mm. And... I had a student that was playing keyboard who now is playing for, I think it's Larry Graham. And most of, most of my kids that, that I've taught through the years end up doing something really, really good in their, for their career professionally. Some of doctors, lawyers, dentists. I have one student that worked with Tyler Perry. One student which did the, some of the podcasts maybe about six months ago. I worked for People Magazine. She did that. But all the kids, like I was saying earlier, uh, Jermaine, one of the kids, owns a restaurant, two restaurants here in San Francisco. Really? Really. Ninth and Folsom, I think it is. Wow. That's so cool. I, been, I mean, I, 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 well, one thing I should say is I didn't only teach music. Basically, I was concerned about their lives in terms of where they're, their, what their plans are in the future. So we would do music, dancing, and everything. They learn all of that, but a lot of times we just talk about life in general. And one of the things I used to say to them when I walk into class, I would say, "Be what?" And they say, "Responsible." And I say, "Stay what?" And they say, 
focus. Mm. And that kind of went along in all, most of my classes. And I made sure that I was more concerned about them and going to a higher education, not just Lee Burton, which brings up the reason why they were called Touch of Class. That name came from the fact that when I came here, some of the kids, well, most of the kids were in, in, in the, I would say, the ghetto neighborhood, the poverty. And I didn't want that name or that feel for the kids when they go places this is where they came from. So I decided, I said, we're going to change. We're going to come up with a name that would make people look at them because I explained to them, you guys going to have class. Mm-hmm. That's my expectation. And when we go out, we're going to show people that you guys have class. And I said, oh, so I'm going to call you guys Touch of Class. Mm-hmm. That's how the name came about. And they would wear, when we go out and perform, they would wear tuxedos. They were able and capable of doing classical music we were asked to do classical sometimes we they would invite us to come perform somewhere especially in san francisco at some of the laureates conventions and some other business they would have big conventions so we would ask i would ask you know what what type of music would you uh like to have and they would ask me what kind of music can you do i said okay we do classical do spiritual we do gospel we do jazz and we have choreography wow for it so most of the time, they wouldn't want the classical, which was shocking to me. They say, well, we'll take the jazz most of the time. And then wow. we, go to, we go to churches, you know, naturally, we want gospel music. Sure. Plus, they had robes for gospel music. And when we go to churches, and it was just amazing. The whole thing, the whole, from 20-something years, one of the things that really surprised me, because sometimes I'm not focused on everything that's going on because my focus is really on the kids so mm-hmm. when we go out of the countries and, and places my wife used to go with me everywhere we would go she's one of the chaperones mm. so when we outside doing performances and going to all these other places it never dawned on me exactly what we were doing other than i'm focused on what the kids are doing making sure that they are having a great time they enjoying it and they're doing the performance to the best that they could in front of people out of all those years I never had not one major problem out of the kid. They were very disciplined. They were very supportive of each other. They protected each other. We would have auditions every year. Kids would come in from all other schools. Uh, to audition for Touch to, Class. Uh, it, it, got wow. cra- it got crazy. But the thing about it was, the people that were auditioning them were the students. Wow. So, that was crazy. So the, so the students were auditioning the uh, other students. The students so peer to peer. peer. Yes. And wow. They would come in, and sometimes you had kids coming in. They were afraid. Some would cry. They, in fact, they had to get tissue and start putting it next to everybody that come in to do the audition. But they would ask them so many questions that was pertaining to their lives, mm. and compare it and ask them, you know, basically, why do you want to be in touch with class choir? What make you think that we need you? And they would even go into, how do you treat your parents? Wow. And it, wow. Yeah, and they say, I asked them, do you use profanity? And so sometimes the kids would say, naturally, no, I don't. And one of the, one of the uh, people on the panel would say, but I heard you cussing down the hall the other day. So if you're going to sit here and tell us one thing and make us believe it, why should we accept you in the choir? Wow. We can't even trust you. Wow. So, I, mean, it's, it, I mean, and I told him, I said, I wouldn't try to get in this choir the way you guys are doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I said, this is frightening. I mean, because, I mean, they actually come in afraid, but they wanted to be a part of such a class choir. That was, it was like, I don't know, it blew up. When we first started when the school here, I actually was on Conklin. When we first started out, had like 12 students in the choir, and only one student could sing. And she could sing only gospel music at that time, who's now was singing with Andre Crouch. So we started with those 12 kids, and I, I began to teach them gospel music because basically all the kids had gone to church. So they had heard gospel music. So I trained them in teaching and learning gospel excuse me, learning gospel music. Then, and may I ask, uh, yeah. I want to get, get, give our audience an idea of when you started it, what year was it? 84. 1984. 1984. Okay. That's when we started. We had a big ceremony at the, at the school because it was a new school. Maybe I should bring you back 
Little father, how I got to Bird. I was director at BB Memorial over in Oakland, and I became the minister of music. And the organist was a good friend of the principal, who was Fred Howell, extraordinary lady. And she heard that she was going to open up a new school in San Francisco, so. She told her, told Fred and I that she had someone that she wanted to recommend. She recommended me. So I said, okay. At this time, I really didn't realize that I was coming to Burden for vocal music because I was an instrumental teacher. Mm. I played trumpet at Grambling State University, first chair. So I would come over for an interview with Fred and I and some more people, and we discussed some things about me taking a BB's choir out of the country and basically that was the, the interview. Then I asked her, I said, well, can I go see the room? So she said, yes. Yeah. So she gave me the key and I went down to the room, looked in the room. I didn't see any instruments. And I'm saying, okay, what, what's going on here? There's no instruments here. We talking about a, having a band. Uh, we're going to buy all new instruments or what? So the only thing I told him that was a piano and a stand. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> so I went back and I said, there's no instruments. And she said, instruments for what? I said, for the band. She said, I want you for vocal music. Teach choir. Almost passed out. <laughs> I said, what? Wow. I said, that's not my dream. That's not what I, I thought. She said, well, that's what I want you to do. But she had knew I was working with the choir at BB. And I, I formulated that choir and I'd taken them out of the country. But and I'll back up some, uh, some more to it because when I first went to BB, my aunt, because I came from Louisiana, my aunt assumed that everyone that was in music could do choir and band. So when I got to California, I stayed with her because I left in Louisiana to come out to visit my sister and brother. I stayed with her. And so she said, well, I'm going to take you to the church. I said, okay, because I want you to meet someone, and you're going to be the choir director. And I'm saying, did she say choir director? <laughs> what the wow. I said, what's going on? So I, I, go, I, I go there, and I meet this young lady who's, she was the pianist. And she told her, I said, I'm bringing them here, and you can bring them back home. So we went in and started up rehearsal, and me being an instructor, I'm a director like a band instructor. Right. You know, right. one, two, three, four. Right. And she was looking like, I don't know. And the pastor came in and saw me directing and he said he told her, I said, I don't know if he's gonna make it. She said, Well, let's see if we can work on work with him. So from that point on, she started taking me around to other gospel shows, gospel concerts, and Helen Stephen was one of the one, and Benny Cummings, uh, who I, I admired, and I, I, I learned from watching them, and the next thing I knew, I was doing it, and I said, okay, this is not that bad, I can do, I can do choir. Still not really getting a complete concept of it, but it was good, and People were enjoying it, and then we end up doing big concert at BB. You know, BB is all about, I think, over a thousand people in it. So we were packing the place wow. every year. We would do do a concert, but but the young lady who ended up being the parents and taking and taking me to all those places. One day after rehearsal, <laughs> we were sitting outside talking, and she said to me, she said, "I don't know if you think I'm trying to, you know." have a relationship with you. I said, well, I'm sorry to hear that because I was thinking about having a relationship with you. And uh, she, she would never admit that, but she fell on the concrete. She fell down. <laughs> and I said, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Well, now she's my wife <laughs> for 46 years okay. now. <laughs> okay. That's amazing. And we, everywhere we go, even with Touch of Class Choir, she's going to be my pianist. Okay. She, she's She's very good. That's fantastic. Yeah, we enjoy being together and doing music together. So when we go out of the country with TLCC, when we're going out of the country, uh, sometimes it'll just be me and her as chaperones. Because sometimes we, we're at some point, when you have too many chaperones, it kind of take away. And some sometimes adults don't want to follow instructions according to what I said for the kids. Right. So I had to let them go. Right. And I said, my wife and I, we can do this. Yeah. Because I, I, I knew the kids well enough to know that, number one, they're not going to do anything 
Atlantis. Right. So they're going to make sure they're taken care of because we had um, what we call lockdown. Right. So if a kid does anything wrong, he's locked down, especially when we are out the country and they're in their room. And lockdown simply meant that they can't talk to anyone, even their roommate. And one day they said, well, Mr. Cole, how would you know if they were talking or not? I said, well, how would you know that I didn't set them up to get you to talk? And you you would be on lockdown. I'm going to take them out. I said, so if I was you, I wouldn't say anything, period, because you never know. You may be the one that's locked down. So that worked. The only thing I can think of that happened that, that was out of the ordinary was, and it wasn't that bad of a deal, was we were in Miami. Right. And we were getting ready to go on the boat cruise. Right. To, uh, I think it was to Jamaica. And to perform uh, on the boat? We perform on the boat. Oh, and wow. We, and we perform in Jamaica. So I'm, I'm in my hotel room, and just so happened the hotel was right above the swimming pool. So I looked out, and I saw the kids. They were out having a good time. They were splashing water. Normally, like kids, you know, do splashing at each other. And have, but some little kids in the water. But they got out of the water because these big kids, it was too much for them. So I called them up, and I said, okay, you guys, look here. I said, I know you guys are having fun. I said, but the kids want to have fun also. I said, you guys need to cut down on the splash in the water. So one of the students mugged me. I don't know if you know what mugging is. It's that look like yeah. who you talking to. Oh, yeah. so, okay. First thing I did was say, go back to your suitcase, you're going home. Oh. I'm calling your mom right. and let her know right. that you're, you're going to disrespect me right. here because we're somewhere else. Yeah. I said, I'm not going to tolerate that. Right. So the next morning, got, I think you got a cab, sent him home. But that sent a message to To all the other yeah, kids. Kids say, because I told him, I said, I will send you home. I yeah. said, you act nice here, and we go away, I expect the same treatment. Exactly. Every kid said, I never believe he would do it. And he did it, <laughs> he yeah. He did. So I think that made everything totally change because from that point on, it was like, you better not do this, you better not do that. And the new kids that would come in, they would let them know, hey, he does not play. He wants you to enjoy yourself, have a good time, but don't do something that's totally ridiculous that's going to make touch of class look bad. Plus, the kids would say to tell them, we don't want to look bad. Right. Okay. Peer-to-peer yeah, pressure. Yeah, we don't want to. But they, they were, they, when you, if you would see them, they were acting more like adults than anything else. We went on a cruise, and the captain made an announcement one day and to the people that was on the cruise that, you may not recognize that there are some kids, teenagers here, because they are acting as if they're adults. And they called, he told them the name, took the class cry. So people, I mean, they just start running to the kids, talking to them. And one guy uh, ran up on a couple of them and said, because we had, I think it's a, a special captain dinner in the evening, in the evening. And we had to wear, they had, people were wearing tuxedos, the adults and everybody. So all of my, my kids had tuxedos already. So one guy came up to them and said, oh, you guys had to rent tuxedos. And they said, no, sir. These are ours. These are tuxedos. <laughs> <laughs> Blew his mind. And, and speaking of the, the cruises, at one point they would not even allow teenagers on, I think it was the Royal Caribbean, because evidently some kids had been throwing chairs over the ship and so they just restricted kids and we were going on cruises like you know every other year or two and i said that's not fair my kids don't do that and so i called up your dad willie brown called the superintendent and talked to the principal here and they sent a message to them and the guy happened to be the captain that remembered us and he said oh no those kids can come. So for a few years, we were the only kids that could be on the crew. So I need to know this. It's hard to have a choir, a high school choir, be invited to go to Jamaica and all over the world. How did that happen? <sighs> Word of mouth, I guess. Sometimes I would make the crews, make the trips for them, like if I wanted them to go. In fact, I, to be honest, I'd take the, the globe and spin it around and, and point at a country and say, okay, we, this is where we're going. A mm. uh, couple of times we were asked to go from a guy that had heard us here in San Francisco, who's a big wheel in some business company, and he said, well, I have connection over in Europe. I'd like for you guys to go and represent the United States. 
and I'm saying reps in the United States. I said, okay, we'll do it. That was one one way. And your father going to Shanghai had us to come as delegates for San Francisco. Shanghai was like a it's like a sister city. So we did that. In fact, the same year we went on a cruise. That was the first time we'd gone on two tours wow. in one year. That's amazing. Yeah, it was. It's and it just. I mean, where else have you gone? Oh God, I knew you was gonna ask me that question. <laughs> Spain, Australia, Italy, Jamaica several times because I love Jamaica. Oh, by the way, in Sydney, Sydney, Australia, we had an opportunity to sing in the Sydney Opera House, which was the first for any choir to actually sing there, which was amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and so all of these invitations were by invitation, by word of mouth. Word of mouth. That's amazing. And, and it started, and once it started, basically never stopped. And we would go, every year we were going out of the country, every year. And people would ask, you know, and how did you guys get the funds, raise the funds to go? So a plan where every kid had his own account. So whatever money he brought in would go into his account so we were selling tickets for concerts which went crazy too because the auditorium was holding like five or six hundred people we started out we had like 200 300 and then it grew to pack the place so we had to add another day uh, because we were doing them on friday i think friday nights and then we had saturday saturday got to be the same thing wow. and, I mean, each year it looked like it's just so we end up doing a friday night saturday saturday night and a sunday matinee no kidding and each concert was totally packed wow totally packed and here in san francisco where did you perform most a lot of the churches here in san francisco and we did some things at the high regency a lot of times for the big organization that was having conventions Basically, and those are, those are the places we did mostly here in the city. And then we'd go outside in Oakland, Berkeley, Hayward, different other locations in, in, in California. So that's basically how we did that. Wow. It's incredible. And, and that lasted for 35 years? 20, when I, I was teaching for 20, 35, but it was like 20, 24, 25 years, something like that. And now Touch of Class is not happening anymore? Uh, okay. So how did that happen? It went from being all over the world and now it doesn't. it's not here. Well, it happened like this. A lot of the parents started taking their kids out of San Francisco because of expensive homes. So I started losing kids rapidly there each year. I saw it was it was going down, it was going down. And the Burton, uh, church class were predominantly black kids. So those kids, parents felt like, and I would assume that they felt like, hey, this is too expensive, so we're moving out. So I end up uh, with groups with less black kids and more of Samoan, some Asian kids. And the the, I would say, the type of music and sound that I was expecting, I couldn't get that out of them like I could with black kids singing. That it just wasn't happening. So I'd say, okay, this is not where we want to go, and that's not how I want to leave it. So I said, let's drop Touches Class Choir because of their reputation. I I, I don't want to take a choir that's not meeting those standards out and bring that reputation down, so I changed it. Now, the, the, the thing about that was really remarkable was each year, it seemed like the choir got better and better and better. I, it seemed like uh, I was getting more kids. I'm taking 40 and 50 kids out of the country. And at that time, I, I felt that it started going down in terms of uh, members in the choir to 20, 25, and I said, okay, this is not gonna work. So we ended, and I I named another choir, hoping hoping that maybe they would come up to the same standard. But it didn't work. By that time, I realized that maybe it's time for me to retire also, because I'd been in the system long enough. So I said, okay, this is it. And now we are about to do um, a concert. And this is a plug out to everybody that's listening to this. July, I think, is the seventeenth at Hertz Theater, and. They are putting it together. It's going to be unbelievable. It's for uh, next year. This is for next year. Yeah, touch a class reunion, right? A reunion for 30, yeah, 35, 35 years. You're right. It was yeah. 35 years. They're all over the place. And we had the virtual reunion 
Yeah. That's how we. That's how they came up with the idea. Okay, if we could do this virtually, let's have a concert in San Francisco. And I said no. I said. I don't want to do any of this anymore. I'm through with you guys. <laughs> so they said, no, we want to do this. We want to come and do another concert in San Francisco. So they made me do it. So now we have a, a Zoom meeting every other Wednesday and putting it together. And so far, we are, we are we raising funds. This is another shout out to people that are listening. We are looking for sponsors to help support TLCC. One of my students who was at Castleman High School, I don't know if Raphael Sadiq. Yes, uh, of course. I think he's going to be there to perform. He was one of your and students. And he was one of your students yeah, he was in one touch of, of class. In, no, no. This is at Castleman okay. High School at in Castleman Oakland. High School in Oakland. Uh, and I talked to him uh, several weeks ago, and I told him I need him to do a favor for me. Wow. He said, Mr. Cole, whatever you need, I'm there. He's the only thing, if I can't be there, because I got another gig. But more than likely, I'm putting it on my calendar right now, and I plan to be there. And I have another artist that I can't put out there yet because I haven't talked to them okay. yet. No <laughs> but it's going to be amazing. That's all I can say. It's going to be amazing. Wow. Uh, I think it may be one of the best concerts that they've ever done because we're. it's going to be a hard task, though. That's the only thing because everything is virtual to get them to learn because every group didn't learn the same songs right so right. we got to add songs that some know and they were, they didn't learn the choreography so we got to do that all that has to be done virtually virtually can't right. be in person and i got to what i do is sit down and do the tracks and send it to one of the students who's in the recording in indiana i think somewhere back east i guess i'm not sure i can't remember where she is but She's going to do the tracks for us, and then we're going to send it out to everybody. And the young lady that's at People Magazine, she just moved here to Los Angeles. Mm. She's one of the choreographers that put everything together. She's already said, I'm doing it. I'll be there. I'm going to stay for the whole, because we'll be here the 13th or 14th through the 17th for about four days. So. We get hotels wow. the whole night. I'm praying that it does. But the one thing I must say that uh, that uh, I have to say, all the things that I've done that I had no clue that I would be doing. My, my, my goal was to be a trumpet player, to play in the Oakland Symphony or the San Francisco Symphony. But I, I, I know now that God had another plan for me yes. because... Getting into vocal music was nowhere close <laughs> <laughs> on my mind to do vocal music. As a kid, I, I, I actually wanted to be a baseball player. I played baseball for, uh, all in high school except for my senior year. I, I did something that my mother told me never to do, and it was play sandlot baseball, which is any and everybody come play. It wasn't a league. We just get out on the field and play. And she play. Said, yeah, she said, no, you don't, you don't do that because you got kids from all over the city. So my mother was out of town, and I said, okay, I'm going to slip and do it. Got out there, and I was good for hitting home runs. In fact, we had, I had scouts that was coming out to watch me and two of my buddies to go and go professional. But I tried it. I hit the ball, and it didn't make it for home for me to make a home run. So I was going to make a triple out of it. And at that time, they had just started putting stationary bases mm. down. So I slid in and broke my hip bone. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and I, I had to stay in bed for like six months because you couldn't put a cask on it. So as soon as I got able to get up, the same day the doctor told me I was good to go, there was a game. And it was a, le a legitimate game. So I told my coach, I'm ready, I'm ready. So I go out, out and the ball, the guy hit the ball. I couldn't hit, I couldn't feel the ball. I couldn't catch the ball. I couldn't do anything. I went to the bat. I was striking out. And I said, something is not happening here. Finally, the coaches took me out. And I said, oh, man, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this anymore. So my mother had always told me, so I always have a second choice. So I said, okay, I'm just going to go into music. I said, that's my next choice. And as a kid, when I was six and seven years old, I had a neighbor was playing trumpet. Mm. And I would always go over 
and sit on the porch with him and watch him play. And I was always mesmerized at the, the sound that would come out of this instrument. So my mother noticed that and said, okay, I'm going to get him a toy trumpet. So she bought me a toy trumpet. And I'm telling you the history of how I got to where I am now. I said, yeah, I got a toy trumpet, so I'll go out and play, pretend like I'm playing with him. And then eventually she said, okay, it's time for you to just get a real trumpet. So she got me a trumpet and it was, I mean, my world just went all over. So I started playing in the band. I had one of the most fantastic teachers who was very strict. His name was Charles Turner. He made me into what I thought I was going to be, a trumpet player playing. But it all changed. Every bit of it changed. I played first trumpet and I think I said in Grambling State Marching Band. And that gave me an idea why I started taking Touch of Class Choir out of the country because I'd been in Grambling's band and that's what we was doing. And for some reason I had already said if I ever teach one of the main things I'm going to do is take kids out of the country. That's Let them excellent. see what's going on other than where they are. So most of the kids had not been out of San Francisco. And it was amazing for them to see different kinds of being in, in poverty. It made them see what it looked like being upper class. It gave them an idea of what they could, once they graduate from high school, college, have a family, want to travel, they know where they've been, they can take them there. So that worked perfect. Yeah. As I have kids right now today who still going on cruises because that who's going out of the country. So it all worked. But it's, as I was about to say, it was all God's plan because I knew I, I, I didn't know anything about vocal music. I, I basically taught myself and read upon my vocal exercises and taught it to the choir. And it just worked. Wow, that's incredible. It just worked. So the impact that the that Touch of Class ha has had over the years of the students has been pretty, sounds like it's been pretty phenomenal. Oh, yes. I can't really say how well and how good it was and the outcome with the, what changed the kids' lives. I was like a father figure. Mm -hmm. They would come to me sometime before they even go to their parents with problems. And we'd sit down in my office and just right, go through it. i say, hey, just tell me everything. We'll talk about it. It worked. And evidently, it, it's still working because I have some kids who have, well, not kids, some of them now, adults, want their kids to meet me and, and to let them know what kind of person I was and tell them everything that they've done uh, in terms of being successful, getting involved in their career and where they're going to go in life. Mm. So it's still going. And I'm so proud of every last one of them. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I was something other than just a teacher in their lives. I gave them more than more than just singing and dancing, and I I, I would always explain to them this is I, I don't want you to think that this is where you want to be all it for the rest of your life. I say if you want to be in music, make sure you love it. Don't consider the money part. That's because at the time teacher weren't getting paid anything. So I say what I'm doing has nothing to do with the money. I say it's because I care about you and I want to see that you are successful above and beyond expectation and they've done that they've done that greatly it's okay? incredible it's an amazing story thank you so i have a few questions okay uh, uh. how did you get here from louisiana to the bay area <laughs> and you spent for the most part your a, lot, a good portion of your life here okay here's what happened i graduated from grambling yeah i wanted to come out my sister my brother lived in california okay I said, okay, I'm going to go out and stay and spend a summer with them. Yeah. So I came out, and for some reason I stayed with my aunt because uh, uh, my nephew was there. So we were kind of close together, the same, almost the same age. So I stayed with them, and the next thing I knew, I began to enjoy it. And I said, why are you going back to Louisiana? I guess the, the lights got me. I don't know what it was, but <laughs> I said I'm, I'm just going. I'm going to stay here and see what I can do. And I end up end up working at San Francisco Handicap over on Great Highway. Because wow. I said, well, I got to get a job. I got to get a job. At the meantime, I'm thinking about going to apply for Oakland Symphony or either San Francisco. 
I went at one time. I, I actually went to Oakland. I I wasn't completely satisfied with it, so I said, okay, maybe I won't do that. But anyway, I I, I, I started working in San Francisco at school for the handicaps, and by this time, my my aunt, had, like I said, took me to church, got into the music, and I met my wife. And just what happened? My wife' father was a principal, mm. so here I am. And he's looking at me saying, you need a job, a real job. <laughs> and he said, because in school at Grambling, I was a liberal arts major, and I took up a lot of educational courses, again, just in case. Okay. So he said, okay, I want you to go down to Oakland Unified School District and apply for a job. So I went down, applied for a job. They said, well, we don't have anything available. I said, okay. So I went back and told him. He said, okay, I'll be right back. He went down to Oakland school, school, and this is a real true story. He went down and came back, and it's like three or four jobs opened up for me to go. <laughs> and I said, wow. So he took me to Sacramento to get a lifetime credential, came back, and I, that's when I started working at Casamont. So, wow. no, not Casamont, at Claremont. So that did it. And I was from Claremont, Casamont to Bird. Yeah. Wow. So that's my life history. Yeah. And you were part of a lot of people who've gone on. Well, first of all, let me just rewind. I was watching the reunion and your birthday, so happy belated birthday. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And what I was touched by is how many people, former students, came to celebrate you, the impact you made, and your life. It's remarkable. Yeah, it was, it was you saw, Did you see the the sweat that came out of my eyes? I did. And the <laughs> towel you used to uh, dry it up. And I don't know. I don't know if they showed the uh, in-house the rooms they were they were in. I don't know if that was. I don't enough. know if I, I caught that. See, I don't, I don't think I see. did. Yeah. When uh, after yeah. after everything, they set up rooms for the kids to go in to, yes. to have more of a personal contact with me. Yeah. It was crazy. That's awesome. We had, I had they had like four or five rooms. And That's it's, incredible. Yeah, wow, it was, what a tribute. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. I, I loved every moment of it. And I don't know very many teachers who's made that lasting of an impact that they come back, I don't know, some of them, 40 years later. Uh, I get here from... So many of them all the time now. Yeah. We're on Facebook. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, Twitter, they'll call. Yeah. And, and it's, it, yeah, it is amazing. I mean, it's just shocking. I, I go to the ones that they get married. They call me up to come to the weddings. Wow. And sadly say I've gone to some funerals of their parents. And I mean, we just, I, I, I well, I realize it's a big family. Yeah. Uh, after so many years, especially the ones that were in there for three, four years, it becomes a, a, a knit where we all understand that we are for each other. Yeah. And I, I, they more or less protect each other. Yeah. They, they hang out together. Yeah. And right now, in fact, I can't remember how many it is, but I, have, I know one here in San Francisco, a, a young lady and young man who got married, who both were in TOCC. Mm. And that, that's been going on, too. So... It, it's 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 just amazing. Yeah, that's all I can say. It's amazing. Absolutely, and you know they would say, you've given them purpose in a time of their life where they they didn't have purpose. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so what you just ta- spoke about with regards to the name Touch of Class, like you gave them purpose, you gave them something to be proud of. Exactly. And many of them have carried on and been very successful. Very, very successful. That's why I say I always say I'm proud of you guys. I, I do it on Facebook a lot when I see what they're doing. Let them know I'm proud that they've moved forward and not backwards. Rightly so. You can have some that fall in the crack. Sure. But I would say at least 95% of the kids turn out to be successful out of, the, out of the 35 years. That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing, and some have turned into the ministry, advocates for all, all kind of different things, you know. It's wonderful to know that you, as a teacher, help change kids' lives to become successful adults. Yes. Yeah, because in, in, in this world today, young kids have so many different things, obstacles that will stray them the wrong and that was one of the things i wanted to make sure that they understood what was right and what was wrong i had some kids that come in that understood that at one point 
had a kid that was, was talking about graduating and he wanted to sell drugs. And I said, let's talk about that. I said, you realize you, you're going you're gonna to get caught put in jail. And his answer was, Mr. Cole, I'm smarter than that. I said, do you think the ones that's in jail thought they were stupid? They thought they were smart too, <laughs> but they got caught. So what makes the difference with you and them? And today, that kid has totally changed. Wow, that's something because he he was wow. still he was still in that environment, right? You right. know, and that's you know even though he was going all over these places, you come back home, he still is more of that because he's here with me maybe two hours the most but when he go home he with that environment every day right. even on the weekend right. so it kind of you know took control right but thank god he made a change he made a switch and, and those kind of things that I, i'm really thankful to god to have put me in the position that i could do what i did yeah i have no regrets i would do it all over again mm. i've had people say they asked me so what profession were you in? I said, I was a music teacher. I said, yeah, I was teaching at a high school. How did you like it? I said, I loved it. So what's wrong with you? <laughs> I said, no, understand me. I love my job. I get up in the morning wanting to come to work. They said, at a high school? I said, at a high school. And I just started telling them everything. They said, oh, I see. Yeah. I said, they said, you have put something in them that they really love and appreciate. I said, it's not just teaching the music is teaching life. That's right. I said, and I feel like every teacher, whether it's a science teacher, an economics teacher, a math teacher, it's the same thing. You put in more than just the lessons, the academics. You deal with their social life and what they can do and what they, they, they are really set to do in life by giving them something that you, they will appreciate. That's a hundred percent right. And high school is such a tender age. Exactly. When you're a senior, you're, you're graduating, going off to college. So it means a big deal. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, yeah. and uh, when you say going off to college, it remind me of a lot of the kids that would come back uh, their freshman year, and they said, "Mr. Call, we tell people where we've gone out of the country, they don't even believe us." Right. <laughs> I said, "Really?" He said, "No." I said, "Well." That tells you something, doesn't it? You've got something that a lot of kids don't get. They didn't get. And right. be, be proud of yourself, what you're doing. I said, spread it. Spread it out. Let let kids know what you've been doing. And tell kids that's beyond, uh, beneath you that's in high school, that's coming behind you, not just because you're in a choir, not because they are not in they are, they are not in the choir, but just because you've learned something that you can share with them right. and get them on the right track. Because right. you've got friends, I know they're doing some things that they, you probably don't agree with, but you need to explain to them what they can do with their lives other than what they're doing. So that worked also. That's right. great. Yeah, it worked. Well, Mr. Cole, we love having you here on our show. Well, thank you so much for, for your time. No, thank you guys. Yeah. No, thank it's you been very a much for your time. Oh, Mr. Cole, how fun was it being back at a high school? I just loved being there, and I wasn't actually sitting in the bleachers like Jay and Susan chatting with Mr. Cole. I was actually wandering around, checking out this incredible view of the city and interacting with the kids because they were out running around on the track. And now listening to it, I find it even more inspiring. And I think that it was also very fitting for us to end our music series, this amazing music series that we've been doing with this podcast on such a high note. Get it? High note? <laughs> it's just so inspiring that this choir has gone not only all over the country, but all over the world. What a privilege it was to be there with Mr. Cole. Susan, what do you, what do you think? Well, this, in, this interview was the perfect ending to our incredible music series because Skylar stated it, Raz stated it, and I've seen it with the boys in the San Francisco Boys Choir. When you give kids a chance to sing, especially kids that are from underserved areas that have been dealing with generations of poverty, it puts something back in them that they didn't realize they had. And it gives them confidence to 
not only sing, but to be who they are in the world. So that's what I love about what Mr. Cole is doing or had the opportunity to do for 25 years at Burton High School with, with Touch of Class Choir. What about you, Jay? What did you think? This interview with Mr. Cole really hit home for me. Mr. Cole was like my high school choir teacher. And throughout my life, I've had a series of mentors, like profound people who've taught me discipline, who've taught me what it is to own who I am. And he did this for so many people. You know, I got a chance to go online. And just last year, during COVID-19, all of the past students from many, many years put together a reunion and a 70th birthday celebration just for him. And I was so moved and knocked back by how influential he was. I mean, he has had students like well-known artists such as Raphael Sadiq and Tony, Tony, Tony. It's amazing. (laughs) It's so amazing. It's so amazing. And I know that you all want to see what this iconic man looks like. Mr. Cole, he's great. He just has so much energy that I was able to capture on camera. And we have so many other pictures and photos and things to tell you on our social media. So go and check us out. We're at Beyond the Fog Radio on Instagram and on Facebook. You can also check out our website for older archived episodes, beyondthefogradio.com, which is created by one of our amazing crew members at Beyond the Fog Radio. Tim is making that happen. We also want to give a shout out to Connor, our sound editor. Arliss is our copy editor. And my Tim O'Shea is our theme music composer. And let's talk about who we have next week, Jay. Well, guess what, guys? At the end of each series, we have food. Food. (laughs) One of my favorite topics, food. And we love to explore the huge variety of food and restaurants that we have in the Bay Area. But next week, we have Mr. Nitzar Mubark, who is an amazing chef. And he's an executive chef at Florio's on Fillmore, which has been around for a very, very long time in the Pacific Heights neighborhood. And we're going to take you all the way back to July when we did our exclusive interview with Mr. Nitzar at his restaurant. And we can't wait for you to meet him. Susan, take us home. So this is the part where I get to ask you to please subscribe. It's free. It's not going to hurt you. It's really easy. <laughs> you just subscribe. It's and by, help us. And by subscribing, you are really allowing us to keep doing these wonderful, wonderful interviews. Beyond the Fog Radio can be found on Google, Spotify, or Apple, or wherever you get your podcast. Thank you, Susan. And just like that, we conclude this week's episode. We can't wait to hear from you, and we can't wait for you to listen to our next week's episode. So until then... Take care now. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Beyond the Fog Radio, all rights reserved, 2021.